Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I said that very dramatically. This is Joe List, and uh, I appreciate you listening. Thanks for being here. Hope you uh, enjoy the show. I hope you've been enjoying the show. Maybe this is your first time. I don't know. Perhaps you um, always thought about it and were like, fine, I'll give it a shot. Or perhaps uh, someone recommended it, whatever it is, however you got here. Maybe you've been here since the beginning. That could be possible. Probably a bunch of you, I imagine. Uh, Jacketeers. I don't know. I just made that up. Maybe that's something. Uh, I appreciate you being here, however you got here. Today, I have my friend Doug Smith on. Do you guys know Doug? He's a comedian. Wonderful guy. And um, I think this might be my favorite episode ever. It was such a great conversation. I enjoyed the hell out of it. We didn't even get into a lot of the stuff. Uh, um, he thought we might, and I thought we might, but, uh, the conversation flew by. Doug is an old friend of mine. We used to be drinking buddies back in the day and, uh, he hasn't drank for over a year. He'll talk about that. And I haven't drank in eight years. I talk about that a lot, I guess, but, um, man, it was great. It was a great conversation and, uh, his sound sucks because, um, I don't know why. I guess he doesn't have a microphone. He doesn't have the setup. I didn't want to bust his balls, but if he hears this now, he'll feel terrible. But um, he just used his AirPods, uh, which is fine. You'll you'll adjust. You'll get used to it. If it's your first time, you might be like, what is with this podcast? This sound sucks. But I think it's fine. You tend to get used to it. You adjust, and then you just he just sounds like that. It sounds like a phone call. Um, but it was great. Uh, we talk about a lot of things. We get into one night, a uh, homeless person was attacking a woman, and Doug stepped in. And then he had to stand trial for the guy. And we, we talk all about that. And that stuff is really interesting. And we talk about OCD, therapy, drinking, weed, um, all of those things. And it was just a really interesting episode. And um, yeah, so that's that. That's what the episode's about. And, and how are you doing? I hope you're doing okay. I am. Uh, it's a full-time job staying on an even keel, as you know. I'm doing therapy. I talk to sober people a lot, and I read a lot of um, books such as Thich Nhat Hanh, The Art of Living. I just have books all over the place now, next to my bed, on my couch. I'm reading a book called um, Buddhism Without Beliefs by Stephen Batchelor. That's around my house somewhere. I'm always drinking, uh, drinking. I'm always reading some kind of um, sobriety literature for me personally. I said drinking, that was like Freudian, I guess. I always have a Thich Nhat Hanh around. I'm always listening to, we talk about it a little bit on this episode, uh, Dan Harris's podcast, 10% Happier. I listen to, I use the Sam Harris Waking Up app, as you guys know, and uh, the Calm app. I'm, uh, it's a full-time job, um, staying on an even keel, but it's working. I feel the change in myself uh, from years ago. I hope other people can see it and feel it. And uh, you can do it. And that's another thing we talk about is you can just begin again, begin today, listen to this and then go meditate, try to be a little kinder, a little more compassionate, listen a little more, open up your mind, maybe avoid social media just a little bit more today. Be conscious of putting your phone down a little bit more and maybe reach out to some uh, loved ones, have a conversation. This morning I talked to Chris Allen, past guest, and um we talked about the capital situation and, and uh, a little bit of politics, a little bit of race, and, and just had a really great 
conversation, good dialogue that ended with, man, I feel good. That was great. And so uh, maybe take it offline and take it to your friends. I don't know. We're going to have to figure out how to keep it together. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's what I think. I think we need maybe some a little less whataboutism, but here I am trying to solve the uh, the problems here. But the key is to take care of ourselves first. Put your mask on before helping others. And in some ways, taking care of others is a good way to take care of yourself, being of service to others. So maybe I'm rambling now, but um, I don't know. I just want everyone to take care of themselves and so they can take care of each other and we can have a flourishing society for people like Doug who has a small child, which you'll hear about. So that's enough rambling from me. I am grateful that you're listening. Um, If you're a comedy fan and you happen to live near Royersford, Pennsylvania, I'll be there January 27th. I'll also be in Key West, Comedy Key West, February 11th through the 13th. And then in the spring and summer, hopefully I'll be back fully working. We get these vaccines out there and um, warm weather and all that good stuff. So hopefully I'll be seeing you soon. In the meantime, please go review the podcast, give it a nice review and go to my YouTube. Check out my YouTube, Joe List and subscribe. Check out Joe and Ron on Talk Movies. It's a lot of fun. And uh, of course, Tuesdays with Stories is always new on Tuesdays and the Patreon and you can go check out this podcast. is also on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Subscribe to the laugh button. And um, I guess that's it. Be kind to one another. Here's a little Thich Nhat Hanh. You know I love Thich Nhat Hanh. This is from the book The Art of Living, which I've read a couple times and just kind of opened it up to random pages. And I ran opened it up to page 108. It says, Living each moment as a way to realize our dreams. There is no difference between the end and the means. Hmm? It's all about the process, being in the moment. Stay connected. Whatever you're doing, try to be connected and present, and you'll have a good day. Now enjoy this conversation with my friend, a hilarious comedian, who you should all check out after listening to this, my friend, Doug Smith. With, what do you got? A elephant? Is that a rhino or an elephant? Looks like I got, a, I got a pillar. What do we got? We got some sort of grub. We got a grasshopper. We got a rhino beetle. We got some uh, some other shit on the wall. We just we just moved in like a month ago, and uh, so we basically stuck stuck a bunch of fucking party favors on his wall. <laughs> did you, did you move to the country? Or are you in the city still? <laughs> oh, we're still in the city. We we moved like pretty much diagonally across the street. To an apartment we had been stalking for like a year and uh we waited we waited for the guy to move out and we and we uh we pounced on it and it's been a fucking nightmare ever since oh wow 
Uh, why is it a nightmare? We did we did a bunch of renovations on it that we that we paid to do. So we had the floors redone. We had the whole thing repainted. It's a great it's a great apartment. It's a huge space. It's great, but like I am uh, well, it'll lend itself into this podcast. Well, I have pretty I have pretty bad OCD in terms of like tidiness and neatness and organization and things having their own you know having their space so any move is a fucking disaster for me it doesn't matter how easy it is and this one there was like just dealing with a revolving door of contractors and just you know fucking plumbers clinking around and 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 paint chips falling it was like the money pit it was like living in the movie the money pit i was stuck in a fucking hole screaming my brains out it was it was not it was nuts so the dust, the dust is finally settling a little bit now. Oh, okay. And a half later. <laughs> um, I have a real uh, soft spot, whatever you want to say, for the word uh, disaster. Anytime somebody calls something a disaster, it's just one of those words to me that's just fucking hilarious to call up. Because I think of, you know, disaster, I think of like a, a tornado coming through and everything's destroyed and like, you know. So the idea of a yeah. move being a disaster is really funny to me. It's just such a funny word. This was an emotional disaster for sure. Yeah. And I've just been like, I've just been a fucking monster all month to my, I feel like my family hates me because I'm just like, is this where this goes? This doesn't go here. Come on, let's get our shit together. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm finally starting to ease off now, finally, since we've, you know, got stuff unpacked and arranged. But like the first, man, the first couple of weeks was it was a, it was a low moment. So I, I, it feels like it's just, you naturally turn into uh, a parent, your own parent, uh, like uh, the, you, you turn into that person by having yeah. a kid. Like I was with my nephew all week. And even then I'm like, could you sit still for just two minutes? Just sit still. Like, I don't get it. And it's hard to not um, turn into that. Cause you want to have the compassion and empathy and all that bullshit. But uh, it's hard not to be like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. So is that a natural move for you? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I think my my mom was so hyper organized to the point that she had we had a we had a kitchen cabinet where you you would open the door and she had no joke like probably seventy or eighty post it notes lining the inside of the cabinet with just different tasks like. Uh, scoop the litter box, sweep the garage, uh, thaw the chicken, and she would take them off one by one and put the, put them on the stove range as like reminders for herself to do things. Like that was her level of of organization. Like all the picture frames on the wall had to be just right. Uh, we had a family friend who used to love to come over and just walk through the house, just knocking all the picture frames just slightly askew. And then just watch her walk through the house, being like, "What happened? What happened here? Was there an earth? What happened?" Like just watching her lose her mind. So I definitely, I feel like I definitely inherited some of that. And my dad was, my dad was in the military, you know. So he he had that kind of like, you know, when you're in the Marines and you're in boot camp, you know, you have to make your bed a certain way and everything has to be done just so. So I think between the two of them, I was just, you know. Uh, it was it was unavoidable. I I was I never once had to be told as a kid to clean my room, ever. I was wow. always like hyper tidy, organized. That's not a good. That's not a good thing, you know. Like <laughs> a kid should be a kid. A kid should have, you know, fucking spilled juice on the floor and not give a shit, you know. And I was like the complete opposite. 
Interesting. So that, that's interesting because a lot of times people, and I, I think I grew up very similarly. My mother's house is still like, I was just up there and it's everything's yeah. immaculate and cleaned and dusted and level and even very similar OCD, like the little towel on the stove. If it's just off a little bit, she walks, she's like, what the fuck? And it's like a physical reaction, but we just had right. Christmas and she's has this old antique Noel. I don't even know what Noel means, but I guess it's a Christmas thing. And yeah. it's like four big block letters, like little statues. And I would always turn them to say Leon as a kid, uh, which is a joke <laughs> that was on home improvement. And I still do it. And like, it's not fun or funny for her. She's like <laughs> genuinely yeah. upset. And she's like, this, fuck, this is nuts. Uh, but I still do it because it's funny. But it's interesting, though, because some people, I think, go the opposite way. It's like it's like abuse where people either become abusers or they become like so adamantly anti-abuse. So not not right. to con conflate abuse with uh, cleanliness, but it sounds like you picked up the habit. You're continuing the uh, abuse as it goes in this analogy. It's obviously not abusive to be clean. Yeah. But... I don't know, man. You're not you're not you're not too far off. I can be a real fucking anal asshole about about it. And like my wife is the complete opposite. And it's it's. I don't know if I want to say it's it's a good thing because it drives me nuts sometimes. But like, for instance, like uh, at one point, our landlord, who's been super helpful throughout the whole the, the whole process, he had to like uh, he had to replace a tile by our bathtub, and so he came in one day and he had to cut the tile to to fit this this gap, and he brought I watched him walk in with this little circular saw. And right as soon as I see the circular saw, I'm like, oh, fuck, there's going to be a bunch of dust in this bathroom. I can't handle this dust in the bath. Please don't tell me he's going to. All right. It's just one tile. It's going to be quick and easy and painless. So he closes the door and he's like, I'm, I'm just closing the door to keep the dust down. I'm like, how much fucking dust is going to be? So I'm sitting in the other room and then sure enough, this thing goes off like 12 fucking times in the span of three minutes. And I'm just sitting at the dining room table, just pouring sweat just fuming knowing that i'm gonna walk in to a legitimate disaster and sure enough he leaves and the entire bathroom is just coated in a thick sediment of gray dust and i have to like leave in five minutes to pick my son up from school so i'm like all right just don't worry about it it's, it's, it's okay it's okay you'll get to it later but it's just like hanging over my head all day and then i finally i, I get him back from school and uh I'm trying to like, you know, be engaged with him and be a dad and, and, uh, you know, play with him and, and just be present. And I'm just cannot stop dwelling on this fucking dust. And then finally I get around to cleaning it up and it takes me like two hours. I'm like on my hands and knees, scrubbing the floors, wiping down the shower rod. And my wife comes in. I was like, can you believe the mess that Herb made? She's like, I didn't even notice it. And her saying that she didn't notice it sent me into like a blind rage. I was like, what are you fucking, are you kidding me? How do you, how does this not bother you? It's all over the towels. It's all over our toilet tray. Are you, are you fucking insane? And she's like, it's just, just a little dust. It doesn't bother me. And it, and it was like her not seeing eye to eye with me on that was like, you might as well be from a different planet, you know? And, and it, we got into a huge fight because of it. And I was like, I'm going to like lose my fucking family because I'm so, <laughs> I'm so neurotic about this shit, you know? Okay. And I had to like I, give myself a real pep talk like a week ago and be like, dude, you have got to mellow the fuck out or you're going to have this beautiful apartment all to yourself. 
I had to take notes because I got so many questions that have been brought up here in my mind. Yeah. Um, one is, first of all, I have a, one's a story. I don't know what this is. Sorry. Is there a new also, link? I have, I, I have to ask, I have to ask you not to go off on a tangent because I was, I was thrilled that you asked me to do this because I've been listening to it recently and I, and I, and I love it. I think it's great to, you know, normalize people's, not normalized, but you know, people that talk about their neuroses and everything. Um, did any did anybody recommend me for this pod? It was anybody like, hey, you know who knows a real basket case? You got to get Doug on, <laughs> or did you just kind of have an, an idea that maybe I was? No, well, I've I thought of you because um, I remember talking to you a little bit about mental stuff years ago, where we were yeah. talking about something about your upbringing, and then um, I was like, it's weird because you seem so normal, and you're like, I wear a lot of masks, <laughs> and I remember that <laughs> you said something along those lines about masks, and um, so ever since then I've been like, oh, he'd be he'd be great. Plus, I want to talk about yeah. I want to talk about the your your famous instance of of thwarting a robber and and what the how, how that worked the courage to do that and all that stuff so i thought it would okay. be an interesting conversation but i didn't realize you had this crazy clean the house shit so i have a number of follow-up questions with this dust thing well two is okay. a story and question one is why doesn't he clean it isn't that his job he makes the mess and then cleans after it is that not am i crazy yeah yeah you would think so i mean he's like he's like this he's like in his late 70s he's he's the landlord you know like it's not his it's not his job to do this stuff for us he's just like a really helpful guy and he he's any any task that we need done he's like well I'll, I'll, i got it i'll take care of it for you so he he's basically he's doing things that he's he's not required to do at all he's being he's being a help but everything that he does is like completely half-assed you know like and and like the basement for instance i had to go down to the basement the other day and i couldn't find the light switch and i felt like i was clarice in the end of silence of the lambs i felt like there was going to be a dude behind me in night vision goggles because it was just like wall to wall just weird shit he's just like a total hoarder um <laughs> And so like, he, he like, he asked me for a dustpan and brush and he swept up a little bit of shit on the floor, but it didn't matter. It was just a cloud that covered everything. God, that's uh, frustrating. So it was left to me. Um, fuck, I, my notes are so bad. Oh, oh, this is the other question. One, one is going to be a story that's going to make you fucking throw up. But so <laughs> I guess that was the question is like, what, what is it that when you leave knowing there's dust, what is the feeling what do you think is bothering you that there's dust is it that it's not going to be cleaned or you need it cleaned like how is there any party yeah. that's like that's no big deal when i get home i'll clean it then no because like it well part of it too is is we don't have we don't have any like real storage set up in our bathroom yet so all of our stuff all of our toiletries are just out on like on surfaces so there's just so many more places for dust to settle and collect. So I knew I was going to have to wipe down each, you know, tube of toothpaste, each toothbrush, each bottle of lotion, everything one, one at a time. And just knowing how long it was going to take me to do it. And also knowing that my wife wasn't going to do it because she doesn't give a rat's ass about that stuff, you know? So like, I know, and I, ha and I have this running thing in my head that, 
sucks, but I, I very it's very easy for me to feel overwhelmed by things and feel like everything is falling on me and that nice. I have to take care of everything. Um, so, but but you're right. I mean, it's something that I talk to my therapist about all the time. Is 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 like what's what's the worst case scenario? What if what if you never clean that bathroom? What if the dust was still there now? Would it would it kill you? No. Would it harm you in any? No. It might make you a little like unnerved you know upstairs but it's not it's not harming anybody or anything it's just be my personal preference for cleanliness and it's almost like i feel like i have i feel like life in general you have so little control uh horrible things can happen in any given instance so i feel like anything any minor area of life where i can have control that you know the bathroom dust situation being one of them it's like okay i don't have control over any other elements in my life i don't have control over when any of my loved ones die i don't have control over when i die i do have control over how clean the bathroom is and that's something i can handle to try to make myself feel better but it it really it doesn't i th i think it will i think it will alleviate that but it it doesn't and and the thing with cleanliness is as soon as something is clean especially when you have, when you live with other people, I have a wife, a kid, and I have three cats too. Ooh. As soon as something is clean, it's immediately being undone, you know, like, right. like it, it immediately starts to de depreciate in, in cleanliness. Well, there's a, an old adage that I've probably said on this podcast before, so maybe you've heard it, but I try to keep in mind, but I'm like, anytime you're suffering in life, you can stop and ask yourself, what am I trying to control right now? And it's yeah. almost always something. That's why you're either anxious or angry or upset. You're trying to control something. In this case, your house right. being clean. Which is, is, is Alan your therapist? No, he's not. He's oh, because it sounds enough. like Alan. That sounds very yeah. Alan-y um, to accept your worst fear. But yeah, I, I have a very similar thing where I feel like, and I'm working on it, so I'm improving a little bit with it. But I have this thing, too, where when, you know, we're about to podcast and I got a late start because I was having this long conversation with a friend of mine. And then so I was eating a bagel and then I was, I was you were like, hey, send me the email. And I was like, oh, shit, it's like 1155. And I was like, I have to clean up this peanut butter. Like the peanut butter jar was out. The <laughs> knife was out. And I was like, just go record. And I was like, I won't be able to record knowing that this plate and knife and peanut butter jar out but in reality i'm like just record the pot like somehow i feel like my life is out of control if i have an right. open peanut butter jar sitting in my living room where i could just do the podcast and then go get it and i also have this feeling of like if my wife comes in the house and there's just a peanut butter jar she's gonna be like i married a piece of shit he's a loser everybody hates me and it becomes this huge fucking attack on on me i'm a failure because i didn't put away a peanut butter jar which will take 10 seconds which i did do i didn't leave it out there but so i, I relate I, is what I i'm saying that. yeah i get it i totally get it man and and you know what i actually have the same fear too i think if i don't take care of this somebody's gonna be mad at me about it because that is how i grew up everything you know the, the sink was never left with a single dish you know at the end of the night the sink was clean. There was not a single dish left in the sink. The countertops were clean. And like, if you fucked that up, you would hear about it, you know? Uh, 
like I said, my wife is the complete opposite. I could leave a fucking dead rat in the sink and she wouldn't even notice, you know, like, like, but, but in my head, I think, well, I have to, I have to do this because this is just what you're supposed to do. This is, this is what being an adult is. You are, you're a, a neurotic mess trying to uh, just tidy and organize and clean up after yourself all the time. And it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't, well, it really doesn't make a difference. It sounds like we both have our mothers in our head, basically. Like our parents yeah. are living in our head being like, you got to clean up that mess. There's a post-it note on your fucking skull that says, hey, clean up this dust um, and or else your life will be shit. It's a, it's a weird self-criticism, I think, probably. But I, I just want right. to tell you this, too. I had a thing recently where... My wife and I have a Sarah, you know, Sarah, like we have a downstairs basement apartment office now and there's a bathroom down there and there was some kind of sewerage issue in our entire building, which is four apartments and the shit, all everyone's shit, all four apartments exploded out of the shower (laughs) of our downstairs apartment. So I went down there and like, I'm similar to you. And I went down there and like, there's like a, a mushroom cloud of, of feces all in the shower, just like pieces of shit, diarrhea <laughs> all over the place. And I almost threw up. Like I was like almost barfing. And I, I just thought, I just thought you have this dust. I'm like, what would you do if there was shit everywhere? I had to call my <laughs> landlord and it was similar though, where I was like, this is insane. And I had to just go upstairs and we sat there and I was like, all right, he's cleaning it. Uh, Cause he's a good landlord and that's his, you know, job or whatever, but yeah, uh, I guess I just bring it up because I was just listening to your story of dust and I was like, well, how would you feel about your neighbor's fucking fecal matter in your bathroom? Uh, I would, I would, I would chain them to the bathroom stall and burn the place down. That's what I would do. No brainer. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's clean now. And by the way, I was talking to a a friend he's like, well, why didn't you clean it? And I I was like, so blown away by that. I'm like, it's his home. I'm renting his home. We didn't, it's not like we did. It's not like I threw a shoe in the toilet and exploded. It's like my, I'm renting a home and shit exploded everywhere. That's not my job to clean that. Yeah, you don't really want your hands coming in contact with your neighbor's shit. That's that's a little bit of a crossing of boundaries, I'd say. Yeah, nor <laughs> nor my shit. Um, <laughs> but, anyways, um, but yeah, I have I have similar issues. I have this with. Do you have this thing with emails or texts? Like right now, my the way my Zoom is set up, my um, what do you call it? Internet Explorer, whatever the fuck it is, Chrome is like behind it, and I can see my inbox ticking up, like above your head. Oh, I just see a little leaf, and so I have this thing of like, there's gonna be too many emails. I gotta respond. If I see the little red thing on email, I'm like, I gotta respond to this now because I can feel it. Like if I'm out going to get lunch or something, I'm just like, I know I have unanswered emails, and that's something I'm trying to work on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it sucks that we live in an age where people think that they have access to you 24 hours a day, you know, and if you don't respond to something, they, and I've been guilty of it, you know, I've, I've been guilty of texting or emailing somebody and, and especially if it's somebody that I know is on their phone all fucking day and they don't right. respond, it, I take it as a, as an insult, you know, exactly. it's like, why am I, I'm, I'm just being ignored here. What the hell's going on? But in actuality, like you, you, you have you have the right to get back it, it's almost like you can get back to something right away in a half-assed way 
or you can like, especially if somebody's asking you something that requires a bit of thought or a, or a, or a measured response, like it's, it's okay to wait an hour. It's okay to wait a day to thoughtfully respond to somebody, but we're like programmed now to, you have to, it, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's almost like, like you feel like you're on call all the time, you know, right. like anybody could just hit you up at any given moment and you have to, that's, that's how I feel. I mean, I feel like an impetus to respond anytime anybody hits me up with anything. Yeah. And it's like a, a, a tennis match where I just feel like I have to be like, uh, yeah, because I'll see on the fifth and I, I shoot it back. Cause I'm like, I, I don't want the ball in my side of the court. Uh, and then yeah, it comes yeah, yeah. back again. You're like, fuck. And a lot of times you have this <laughs> feeling of like having to have everything done. I think a lot of times I listen to all these psychology podcasts and read all these books constantly now, but I think a lot of times people live as though life is something that's going to happen in the future. Like once I have all my emails answered and all the dust has been cleaned up and I've finished all my post-its, then I'll really start to live, but it's a continuous thing. It keeps coming, um, which is frustrating. Does your anxiety, OCD and stuff, does it ever manifest itself physically? Cause that's what I have. Like my fucking, I have a toothache, my stomach hurts. I shit blood. You know what I mean? Like my eye twitches, (laughs) whatever it is. I mean, do you, do you have that? Like, how does it manifest? Do you have chest pains? Do you shake? What goes on over there? <laughs> um, what it does it manifest itself physically. You know what? I'd, I'd say it, it can sometimes uh, in terms of like my digestion. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm shitting blood, but I've definitely had, uh, I've definitely had shitting issues over the years. Um, I did, I did quit drinking a, uh, a year and about three months ago and that definitely improved things in terms of my shitting situation but yeah if i'm if i'm like really stressed out um i will i will have some shitting issues unfortunately like i'll I'll like start breaking out sometimes um but it's not no it's more it's more of just a complete mental spiral into insanity and not taking in the feelings of people that are close to me and have to deal with me on a regular basis and just right. being very, in a very like one track mind. And uh, like I said, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm in therapy against like the, probably the fourth or fifth therapist that I've had in 10 years. And this guy that I have now is, is great because he, he basically takes all of my anxieties and almost kind of magnifies them and throws them back in my face in a way that I can see the insanity and hilarity of it all. You know, um, like I was talking to him about when we were in the height of, of moving in and there were still all these contracts, it was just a revolving door of contractors. And I know nothing about this shit. I'm not handy at all. I don't know how to operate a drill. I'm a fucking embarrassment of a man. And so like, Same. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I just, I just feel like I'm completely out of my element here. These guys are just going to come in and just name a fucking price. And I don't even know how much things are supposed to cost. And I'm like, I'm, I'm worried that they're going to like rip me off. And he's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, of course, of course they will. I mean, that they're not going to, they're not going to overcharge you by a couple hundred. They're, they're probably going to rip you off by a couple grand. They're probably going to kidnap your kid. Maybe they'll even kill him and cut his toes off. Like he said this to me. And I was just like, it broke the tension in such a way that I'm like, 
I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe this is a therapist and this is his profession. This is like, for most people, I feel like he couldn't say that and get away with it. But for me, it works because I, I almost need things to be blown out of proportion in a way for me to realize that I don't have to fret so much. I don't have to worry about worst case scenario all the fucking time. And that worrying about worst case scenario doesn't, doesn't stop it from happening, you know? Interesting. Yeah. So that he sounds a lot like my therapist who's like that. He says like, you're a pussy. Fuck you. And he, he, he yeah. swears and stuff and calls me a pussy. But it's <laughs> funny because you said um, when you're talking about them ripping you off, he's like, of course, they're going to rip you off. And I always talk about it like that's become like my mantra, of course, because I'll start having anxiety and I'm like, I'm losing my mind. I have this thing. And I'm like, oh, of course, of course I am. That's my 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 baseline. And then also accepting your worst fear like again it's like the dust okay okay so worst case scenario your bathroom is dusty for the next three days or whatever what yeah. can you live with that is it gonna affect are you gonna die is your baby gonna be sick because of it i mean the baby might be sick i guess if there's that much dust in there but right yeah uh, or do you even have a baby i guess mesothelioma no big deal um, um how old is your five kid? now he's five so he can handle he can handle some black lung that's insane that your kid is right? five that is fucking I weird. I would have guessed like 16 months. <laughs> <laughs> um, life is uh, weird. Time you flies. You have to correct me every day. Um, that's insane. I forget what I was going to say. Oh, somehow that reminded this might have nothing to do with anything. But I remember watching an episode of like Cops or something. And the cop was talking about how he pulled someone over. And he's like, do you have any uh, alcohol in the car? Do you have any cocaine in the car? Do you have any uh, any uh, wild animals in the car? And the reason they ask that is to see if the person keeps, if they break and kind of laugh or smile or acknowledge it. If they keep saying no, it's more likely they're lying. Like if they're yeah. like, no, no alcohol. No, no, no. And then you're like, any uh, dead hooker? No. A normal person would be like, nah, no, no, I don't have any. That's crazy. Right, right. Um, I don't know if that has anything That's to do hilarious. with anything, but I just thought of it when someone like matter of factly is, no, no, I have no wild animals in my car. Um, but it reminded me of that in, in that the therapist throws out some crazy examples and it makes you kind of break and be like, okay, I, I see what's going on here. Instead of yeah, you being yeah. like, yeah, he could, it might cut my kid's toes off. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Because I feel like in the past with, with therapists, when I'm talking about my anxieties, they'll, they'll, they'll try to be very understanding and be like, yeah, I, I understand, you know, contractors can rip people off and I know it must be very stressful, but it's almost like, me personally, I mean, I don't, you know, it's every, every, it's a various case by case. But me personally, I feel like that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. I, I almost don't really want somebody to sympathize with me too much because I don't, I don't want it normalized. I, you know what I mean? I want to, I want to get out of this kind of hellscape that I feel when I'm, when I'm going into that headspace. So to have somebody kind of, uh, kind of pointed out as as ridiculous really pulls me out of it in a way that that i need and i haven't and i haven't found it until i found this this therapist and that's it's great it's like exactly what i need uh again i have two thoughts one is um yeah acceptance is the key to everything to kind of accept that you feel that way that you uh to first like accept like okay i have ocd or i get freaked out of stuff is a mess and then once you accept yeah. it people I think conflate or confuse that like they think accepting means like not changing of like, okay, I've accepted this. So I'm just going to be this way. 
but that's not the case. Like you can accept something and still want to change it. Like you can accept that your wife is mad at you, but it doesn't mean you're like, great, my wife's going to be mad at me for the next 50 years. Like you accept that she's mad at you now and then it worked to improve it. So you can accept right. that you're, you have anxiety or OCD or neurosis. And then that's like the first step in improving it and changing it for the better. Um, sure. But I also want to bring up, so you quit drinking and maybe we've talked about it a little bit. So over a year ago, and are you doing, are you getting help to quit drinking or you just decided to stop cold turkey? No, I, I just, I just, I wasn't, I didn't even like, I didn't even make a conscious choice to quit. Um, I be, I had been drinking every day since I was 17. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we can open up a whole can of worms here. When you were talking about me saying, I, I have you ever had a quote that you said, said back to you and you're like, yeah, Christ, I said that when you said, I, <laughs> when you said that, I said, I wear many masks. <laughs> I would have been like, man, I'm never talking to this guy again. <laughs> this guy's a fucking creep. Um, but I started drinking. My mom died when I was 17. And so I started, I started drinking like shortly after she died. Um, and I drank, I, I drank pretty much every day, uh, up until a year ago. So I, I had like a solid 20 years of drinking every day. And there were, there were definitely definite periods where it was problematic. I'd say when I first moved to New York, I was, I was definitely an alcoholic because I would drink like at least a six pack a night. And I never, I never got hung over. I never got hung over, but I would at like five o'clock in the afternoon start to get like shaky hands. I would start to get those delirium tremors. Right. And that's almost like, that's almost scarier. You know what I mean? It's almost just like coursing through your bloodstream all the time so that you, you know, you have, you go through withdrawal. And it, so it wasn't even necessarily like I'm doing this for fun. It's like, I, this is the, this is just maintaining a, a base level for me at this point. Um, but the last couple of years it was just like you know at the end of the day after because i'm basically the stay-at-home parent my wife is working full-time so at the end of a long day it's like that was kind of the signifier of, of being off duty you know what i mean like i'll have a glass of wine i'll have a beer um just enough to get tired and bloated and spend money you know and i i'd been feeling like kind of like I said, kind of just kind of feeling bloated and having gross shits and everything. And I thought I've tried, I've tried everything else. I've tried all kinds of weird diets. I was gluten free for a month. I was vegan for a month, nothing worked. And then finally I thought the one thing I've never given up is booze. So I try. I was like, let me take one night off. I think I can take one night off. And I did. And I had an amazing night's sleep. And then I took another night and another night and it just kind of snowballed. I never, I never was like, I'm done. I'm done drinking. This is a problem. It's fucking ruining my life. Cause it wasn't, it was, it was not a, an out of control thing. I just kind of decided to, to wean myself off. And then, you know, here we are a, a year and three months later and I honestly don't miss it. I really don't. Uh, I still smoke weed. Um, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I knew we had to, there had to be some kind of catch. <laughs> yeah something's missing here <laughs> um no okay Don't so give me too back, much credit here the mass thing that's funny because a we were drinking i mean that we were on the golf course in queens which we the, the par three thing and right. i think we were i mean 
we would go out there and just fucking get ripped and smoke weed. Remember, there was the guy in the weed, the golf cart. Sure, yeah. The guy was still there. <laughs> the guy who show you pictures of his kids and sell you loose joints at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so if anyone lives in New York, you can go to this par three. It's out by the tennis center and uh, the World's Fair and all that stuff. And there's a guy that sells booze out of a cooler in the um, you know golf cart and he sells you weed at the same time. So we would go out there and get all tuned up. And by the, this has nothing to do with anything, but I think it was you guys living and it was my fault. You and Doug, I mean, you and Matt had a show and we were taking the, do you remember this? We were taking the train back to the city. We we're going to be late. We we're all fucked up. And I kept saying, you guys were kind of bickering about getting there and being on time. And I kept saying, don't take this train. You got to wait for an express because the express is like two, two stops and we let like three trains pass and then finally <laughs> we realized there is no express running back like it doesn't work that way there's no express train running into the city at that hour and so yeah. we just sat there for like an extra 15 minutes and you guys were always already late and it was like totally my fault and i felt bad but um jesus christ see that that right there i mean i remember how wrecked we used to get playing golf couldn't even swing the club by the you know the back nine and the, the idea the idea of actually going to do a show after that is insane the amount the amount of show i mean i'm sure you did too the amount of shows that i used to do uh wrecked where it's just embarrassing it's embarrassing that i actually took a microphone out of a stand and subjected people to god knows what I mean, there was there were some times I would get off stage and get home and get home and wake up the next morning and be like, I don't even know what I I don't even know what I did at that show. I have no idea. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent all the time. And I remember thinking too, because I, I mean I was drinking a lot then. I remember thinking like these two are idiots. They have a show tonight. I was smart enough to not book a show. Yeah, we were going golfing in the afternoon, fucking morons. But of course, I was just going home to get more blacked out, drunk, or whatever. But anyways, you were drinking. And I think we were talking about your mother when you said that thing, because I, I must have asked you about where you're from. I think you're from Connecticut. Is that right? You grew up right. in Connecticut. Yep. And uh, yeah, I remember you talking about that. And then you said your mother had died and maybe something else. And that's when you were like, I wear a lot of masks and we were drinking and smoking <laughs> at the time. But it's funny because you were like, I would never hang out with this guy again. I was like, this guy's fucking deep, man. I love this guy. I never, I never thought to put it that way. Cause I was a fucking, I was high and drunk and being like, I'm going to start using that. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure it was like six weeks. I was at parties being like, I'm wearing a mask right now. Mask, baby. Um, you think you'd see me, but <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, but that's um, great that you're not drinking anymore. Cause to be honest, I mean, you're a guy that while well, I've been sober for years now, I was like, that guy should probably get sober. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, as far as not that I, not that I'm trying to like defend myself or anything, but the, but the weed thing too is another, it's, it's really just like at the end of the day, it's, and I think I've talked to other parents that feel this way. It's like when you're with a kid all day and you know, your, your workplace, so to speak, is the home. You don't feel like you're all, you, you kind of like, I shouldn't say you, I feel like I need to feel like I'm clocking out or checking out at the end of the day by having some me time, whatever that looks like. And unfortunately it can look like 
just having it a bit of an escape. So that's why there's, you know, all these things like mommy wine time and all these suburban moms getting shit house at five o'clock, you know, cause they're like, Oh, my husband's home. I'm going to fucking booze up and pass out on the couch. Cause I'm off duty, you know, but you're still in, in the work, you're still in your home, you know, right. so you have almost have to have like this mental escape. So for me, it's like, you know, I'll smoke, I'll smoke a little weed, like at the very end of the night, you know, it's not like an all day thing, like it once was. Um, but even that, even that is something that I've been giving a lot of thought about recently and being like, well, you know, if I'm really mentally healthy and stable, do I need, do I need that? You know, um, will I, will, will I one day be able to eliminate that? And I, I think I will, because I mean, only two years ago, I was on antidepressants drinking a ton and smoking weed and now like i'm off antidepressants i'm off booze um i mean the 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 weed is still is still there but like i do i do feel like if you really got your head screwed on you really don't you don't need any of that and i don't want to i don't want to diminish antidepressants either because some people do chemically really do need that and and when i was on them i really did um and uh coming off have you been on antidepressants you have right yeah well i took i took paxil for years which was like a sort of anti-anxiety i guess um but i think it's prescribed for uh depression too maybe i believe but my all my depression was always from anxiety like i was like i'm so fucking anxious and it makes me want to just stay home because i or like why am i this anxious i have no quality of life i hate myself so the depression would uh sneak in and and still does so but yeah i took it took paxil for years and just got myself off of it but i similar to you i was drinking at the time and alcohol is a depressant so it's funny to take antidepressants while also pouring depressant into you <laughs> it's like yeah if you cut out the alcohol you know then you're going to be a lot less depressed you just are which is like hard to believe because people think well i'm drinking because i'm depressed and you're like well you're just throwing gasoline on the fire Um, and you're not really dealing with anything. And that's what, like, to what you're saying, I don't think it's horrible that you smoke weed every night, but you, you, you could also get that mental break through, uh, meditation at the end of the night. You could do a little meditation and, and, and kind of clear the, um, clear the day and separate the day that way also. Yeah. 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 Are are you a meditator at all? I've, I've tried it. Um, it's it's not easy i mean it's it's funny because like the practice itself the physical practice of meditation really couldn't be easier you know know what i mean you're really just sitting there doing nothing simple but not easy as they say yeah yeah but really just focusing on your breath and allowing thoughts to pass through is is really is much easier said than done um I I've done it. I've never, I've never committed to it. I did like two years ago. I, I, uh, I downloaded this app called, I think it's called 10% happier. It's like a yeah. meditation app. Yeah. It's a podcast <laughs> as well. I listen to it every week. Dan Harris. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I did like this seven day free trial of 10% happier and I did a couple of meditate, these guided meditations. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is great. I think, yeah, this is something I could get into. And then I forgot to cancel it. So the seven day free trial ended and then I got a charge for a hundred bucks 
for a yearly subscription to 10% happier. And I was like, well, I guess I'm fucking meditating now because I just dropped a hundred bucks on this thing and I still didn't use it. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, first of all, now I'm definitely not 10% happier because I just got fucking bamboozled out of a hundred dollars against my will. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm not using it. So I just have this fucking app on my phone that I, you know, and, and ironically, it's like right next to my Instagram app. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. which which do you choose? And it's always like click, scroll when I could be using something that I just dropped 100 clams on. Well, so here's one of the great lessons um, and principles of meditation is begin again. And so you have this opportunity when we finish you should go hit that app, meditate today, because this is what happens yeah. for you, for me, and I think for most people, like um, scientifically or whatever. If you skip a couple of days, then you go, ah, "I'm a piece of shit. I couldn't do that. I'm not doing it. I'm never going to meditate. I had the chance to. I had the app. It's right there. I look at it every day, and I don't do it because I suck." But you can break that cycle any time. You can always begin again and go, "All right, well, I'm just going to do it today." And it's the same with not drinking or. A meditation practice or a workout it's like you don't have to you don't have to be like i'm going to meditate every day you can only do today because this is the only day that exists so you can meditate today and then worry about tomorrow tomorrow same with you know drinking you're like just don't drink today and don't worry about you yeah. know your 40th birthday or whatever which is fast approaching i'm sure um <laughs> yeah no that 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 really is a good way of looking at it and honestly i don't think that i I don't think that I would have been able to give up drinking if I didn't have that approach to it. Because like I said, I didn't, I, it wasn't a hard and fast, you know, that I'm done never again. It was, it was literally one day at a time. And I didn't feel, I didn't feel any, I wasn't putting any pressure on myself. It was just like, you went a day, you feel good. Go another day. How do you feel now? Good. Okay. Go another day. And it just kept going. And and I never, I also waited like a good six months before I told anybody, Yeah, I mean, that's I, you important. know, my wife obviously knew, but I didn't want to like, because when I went vegan for a month, I thought that I was committed to that. And I told everybody like two weeks <laughs> in, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with animal products. This is the way to live. And then a month later I caved and looked like a fucking schmuck. So like, yeah, with drinking, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know shoot my mouth off for a good like six months and then slowly i was like yeah i haven't i haven't drank in 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 almost in half a year and, and people that knew me really well were like what really <laughs> yeah that's that's always a weird eye-opening experience i always talk about that when i got sober like i got sober three days after christmas for christmas 2012 I got all alcohol. That was like the only gifts I got. My whole family got me like nips and a handle and a bottle. And it was like this thing of like, yeah. ah, I guess I'm the alcohol guy. And right. the same feel like when I, when I was drinking, but like there'd be a night where I wasn't drinking, people were like, Hey, where's your drink? How come you don't have, where's your beer? I'd be like, Oh shit. You have that moment of like people look at it as like alcohol is like an extension of me. It's like, if I didn't have my glasses on, I went to a party. People would be like, Hey, why come you're not, how come we don't have a Bud right. Light? What's going on here? Um, yeah, yeah. Or Jaeger Bomb or Captain Coke. I don't want people to think I'm a pussy drinking Bud Light. Like <laughs> a fucking nerd. But um, yeah, you kind of realize you're like, oh, this is what I've been identified as. I'm this guy. But with the telling everybody too, like I always see that on Facebook. I'll see people like, I haven't had a drink in one week, baby. And I'm like, just, just yeah. quietly Take do that. Because 
what happens is then you announce it and everyone's like, yeah, yeah. And then when you drink, then you've, if, if you drink, you feel all this shame and you just feel like, oh, I'm an asshole. I'm, I'm letting everybody down. Everybody thinks I'm a piece of shit. So it's better to just kind of maybe tell one person or tell other people that are also sober and kind of talk to them. But I do think those yeah. big grand announcements are always just, they set you up to feel like a failure later. Uh, when people do that with yeah. like, I'm moving to LA and they have a big party. And then three months later they come home and they're just like, I couldn't do it. I'm a piece of shit, whatever it is. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely, man. You got to keep that shit close to the vest. But that's great that you're, yeah. um, you're sober. I do want to talk about your incident. And I'm sure you probably always talk about it and you don't want to be identified as the fucking fought a homeless guy, but I want to know, the, <laughs> um, I want to know, the the feelings about it and i think we probably talked about this on tuesdays with stories also and i'm sure like i said i'm sure you've talked about it on 500 podcasts but i want to hear about it from the um sort of the the, the mental aspect and and going through it so basically I, I guess you can sort of tell the story uh, you don't have to do the full version but what happened and and what was the feeling and emotion leading up to it and making that decision um <clears throat> so it was like it was 2000 it was 2011 um and i was leaving cabin which was uh a, a show that was in the east village that you know it was like a major hang spot every thursday night it was a killer show and it was always packed and you know it was like the place to go on thursday night so i left cabin and i was heading back to brooklyn i was heading back to park slope to have a drink with our buddy matt wayne and it was like 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday. And I went down into the second Avenue station and there was a woman screaming and nobody was paying any attention because, you know, people, you know, it's New York, people don't give a shit. And she kept screaming and I glanced over and I'm not, I, I actually, this is one of the few nights that I wasn't drunk. I maybe had like two PBRs, but I was, you know, I was of sound mind. I didn't have that, uh, you know, I wasn't full of liquid courage or anything. And, um, this woman is basically she's pinned against the wall by this guy who's who's trying to rip her clothes off and as she's screaming he hauls off and he just punches her in the face and i yell some shit out to him and finally he sees that i'm not going to be deterred anytime soon so he lets her go she runs out of the station and uh he kind of turns his attention toward me and i had never i had never been in a fight and all that year, uh, this was, I just turned 38. I was like 28. And I had been, I, it's ironic because I had been like kind of talking all that year. Of like, I can't believe I'm 28 years old and I've never been in a fight. Like, how do I know what I'm made of? I've never gotten punched in the face. I've never punched anybody in the face. I need to get punched in the face to see what I'm made of. Punch, you know, I need, I need to get in a tussle, you know? That sounds like and, a drunk person talking, by the way. That's like the most common <laughs> drunk conversation of like, punch me in the face, bro. Yeah, I can take it. I know you love me. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I did, I did have the thought of like, all right, this guy, this guy's coming toward me. I could either run away or this is a perfect opportunity to see what I'm made of. So he comes toward me and I'm telling him to back. I'm like, back the fuck up, man. Back the fuck up. And he's got a crazy look in his eye and he, and he, he keeps approaching me and I step in and I fucking swing for the fences and I am, I'm like a good eight feet away from him when I swing on him. So I just like swing and a miss just whiff. 
and he steps in, clobbers me. I come back, kick him in the balls, and he runs out of the station. And I'm feeling like, all right, well, I, I kicked him in the balls. That was kind of a bitch move, but I, you know, I took a punch. I'm still here. Like that, that wasn't so bad. I showed him. He fucking ran. He fucking ran off like a pussy. So then I turn to get on the train, and a woman stops me and 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 tells me that there's blood pouring out of my face. And sure enough, I look down, and it's just like streaming down my jacket onto my shoes. Ugh. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, he uh, he obviously had some sort of a blade in his hand that I didn't see. And so she brought me up to the up up to the street up the street level and called an ambulance and uh, a million cops on the scene within like two minutes. And the ambulance took about 20. So I'm just standing there with a wad of napkins on my oh, face. Got like Steve and, Buscemi in Fargo. <laughs> yeah, dude. Exactly. It was, yeah. <laughs> they were starting to like, the blood was like starting to coagulate and all the cops wanted to see it. So I would like peel the, the peel the oh. napkins off. Like, oh. And um, so the ambulance finally showed up, brought me to the, brought me to the Bellevue ER and then they stitched me up like 23 stitches. And, uh, they got the guy outside of the same subway station like two days later. He was a homeless guy with no priors other than like public intoxication. And then I had to testify against him in, in court. And there was not luckily, but for better or worse, there was another woman in the station that same night that he that he attacked. And so between me and her, we picked you know we picked him out of a lineup and we both testified against him. And he got. Uh, he got locked up. He got sentenced to 15 years. He's probably out right now looking for me. Um, but yeah, that's, that was his sentence was 15 years. Yeah. So, and, uh, sorry, I, I have so many questions, but yeah, I want, I, I'll go in reverse. Like, so when you're sitting there, I assume he's on, you're on the stand and he's in the fucking room or was it not like that? It yeah. wasn't like, yeah. So, he so he's yeah. looking right at you. Yeah, that was the scariest part of the whole thing. It really was. Like, like the whole altercation between me and him was, you know, went by in a blur. Like that, that I don't really have any. Uh, I wouldn't say I have any like real like PTSD from any of it, really. But that was that was kind of small potatoes. But like having to point to the guy and be like, "That's the guy," and just having him stare back at me with just cold, dead, remorseless eyes was terrifying. Because I'm like, "All right, I'm basically ending this guy's life for what it's worth, sending him to jail for 15 years, and he's he's watching me do this to him," you know. Right. So that, yeah, that, that was the scariest part of the whole thing for sure. Yeah. And so once again, I'm always talking about physical manifestations, but like, are, are you shaking? Is your heart pounding when you're in on the, cause I've never yeah. heard this part of the story. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was scary. And I, I, I didn't, uh, I needed the, the prosecuting attorney he, that he had to like, kind of give me a pep talk beforehand. He was like, listen, I know he's going to be scary. He's going to be in the room. He's going to be looking at you. Don't let him intimidate you. This is a bad guy. He, he, you know, he roughed up two women and you in one night. Like this guy's got to be put away. It's, it's going to be up to you to get it done. And wow. uh, I was like, okay, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I can't puss out on this, you know? And so, so did he have a public defender that tried to make a case of insanity or, or drug abuse like, or, or anything like that? Or did he have, did he have nobody? He had he had a public defender. What did they? 
what did they say? I think, I don't know if they pled insanity, but um, I can't even remember what they, whatever it was, was full of holes because the judge, it wasn't, you know, the like judge, was, there was not, there was not, <laughs> hey, yo, it was, it was a no brainer for the judge, you know, she was like, okay, yeah, it's, you're done, man. Um, so, I always think it must be crazy for those public defenders to get these guys and just be like, all right, well, there's really nothing we can do for you, man. And you, you fucked up your, your fingerprints or so they found the box cutter. It was a little uh, like razor blade, like that you slip into a box cutter. They found, they found that as well with my blood on it, his fingerprint. I mean, it was, you know, the evidence was astounding. So he, there was uh, there was no chance for him to get out of this. Well, and, and so the guy himself, was he, when he was on the stand or running away, I mean, was he like a, a ragged homeless person? Was he a, a, like a junkie or just a, a complete crazy person? Or what, what are we talking about here? He was, he didn't, he did not look homeless. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't wearing like trash bags on his feet or anything like that. He was, you know, he looked like a, he looked like a normal guy. Oh, okay. Uh, but he was, he was fifty. He was fifty-one-year-old homeless guy. Uh, you know, I guess a drunk. Like I said, he had some public intoxication charges, but that was it. He had no violent history right. at all. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was it. But I I uh, I was back in the same subway station like I'd say like two weeks later because you know the East Village is where I would wind up doing a lot of mics and shows and stuff. And I think that was, I think that was good for me to like, kind of get back on the horse in terms of like, not avoiding that subway station, you know, and I lost a lot of blood on that, on that mezzanine there too. So it wasn't on the, on the platform. It was like, right as you swipe your car to go down the stairs to the, to the platform, I lost a lot of fucking blood on that, on that mezzanine area. And I, I looked for it and they, uh, they cleaned it up. Well, there's no evidence of it at all. Yeah, they but, must be um, good at that, because otherwise there would be blood all over the fucking city. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no one would, no one would move here. What, what <laughs> the Second Avenue stop? Yeah, yeah. Um, wait, so what they, they, I interrupted. They, sorry. Um, so like, yeah, like I wouldn't say that I had any real like PTSD from it. Like I was able to go in and out of that station, no problem. But I did. I don't know if you remember like five years ago, I did like three episodes of a, of a web series called that uh, Dan Hershon, our buddy, Dan Hershon worked on with me and edited yeah. shot and edited for it for me. Um, it was called secret weapon. And I, I basically played the, like a urban survival expert and the whole, the whole um, inspiration for it was this incident. So like, because I remember maybe six months after it happened, I was on the train and there was a guy, uh, there was a guy on the train pacing back and forth, kind of muttering to himself. And it kind of kept, you know, getting a little bit more amplifying, it amplified. It kept kind of up in the ante on the crazy and started screaming and punching windows and shit. And it became, you know, it became scary for sure. And you could see people kind of just staring at the ground, not trying not to make eye contact with him. But there was a definite like palpable tension on this on this subway car and he was pacing back and forth and it was just like is this guy gonna fucking unload on somebody like he's punching windows now but who knows when he's gonna you know 
<laughs> when he's going to, you know, take aim at a, at a person. So I'm sitting there and I had just finished a slice of pizza and without even having the conscious thought, I started folding my paper plate in, in a way where I looked down and I had, and I had like folded this paper plate into like a perfect, like pointy shiv, like a shank <laughs> to like take this guy out. And I'm like leaning forward in my seat and I'm like ready to hop up and just like fucking stab this guy in the eye at a moment's notice. And I, and at that moment, I kind of like was able to kind of objectively look at the whole the whole experience and be like, all right, I didn't, I didn't think I had any PTSD. I don't feel like, I don't feel traumatized by this, but obviously I'm like hyper alert to scenarios where shit could go down. So I kind of use that as a jumping off point for like, what if I played like an urban survival guide where I'm like teaching right. people how to fashion weapons out of inanimate objects and stuff like that. So, um, but other than that, yeah, like it wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, my landlord making a bunch of dust in the bathroom is much more problematic than <laughs> getting stabbed in the face. Yeah, it's so interesting because that feels like it would be, I, I'd have fucking crazy PTSD. I mean, I had an incident on the subway um, where I was, the, I was on the 7 train and I was going from Queensboro Plaza to, um, I was going to Hot Soup, Lexington and 59, which is a long, for those non-New Yorkers, which is a long like underground um, yeah. passage. And I was on the last car and it wasn't late at night. It was, I was on my way to a show. It was like seven 30 and there was, it was me. And there was like a guy, obviously some kind of junkie or a wino or whatever, like passed out on the end of the car. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. Cause it was just like a, looked like some kind of homeless person or just someone that had passed out, like, un, not unlike us in our drinking days. <laughs> and then a group of like seven or eight teenagers got on the train at Queensboro and they were, you know, rabble rousers and, whatever yeah. jumping and yelling and and they were screaming at the guy and it's a long passage that it's probably like uh, relatively long like four minutes and they started like hawking loogies on the sleeping guy and screaming like wake up and this like spitting on him and so my heart rate starts going up because they're just like fucking with him obviously they don't give a fuck about this human being and so i'm just like staring at my phone and then one of the kids is like hey fucking look over here and I didn't want to. I knew they started to engage me. And now I'm just like praying and there's nowhere to go because I'm on the last car and it's just us. And there's seven or eight of them. And then one guy was like, look up at me or I'll kill you. And the other guy was like, if you look up, I'll kill you. And they kind of started yelling at me and calling me a fucking When you whatever. wish you were a chameleon, you could have one eye doing uh, one <laughs> right. thing with the other eye. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, it was horrible. But then, and then everyone's like, dude, you should have just punched one of them, yada, yada. I'm like, I, I can't beat up. And I've now I've been training in mixed martial arts for a little bit. So I have a little more knowledge, but I'm like, I'm yeah. not going to beat up eight people. I don't know what situation you think is going to happen that I'm going to, me, Joe List is just going to fucking tune up a bunch of people. Um, right. They were probably like 18 or 19. And eventually we got to the stop and they didn't, they didn't do shit. They were just screaming. But anyways, I, I got off the train, like my fucking heart was pounding. And I was like, God, that was horrifying. And I still now I'm like, I'm not getting on the last train car. I want to have an out. And I'm always like yeah. conscious. I won't get on an empty train car either. I'm like, I'll go to where there's at least a few people, which is ironic now with COVID. Now you want the empty train car, I guess. But anyways, yeah. it, it was a traumatic moment. And I had that feeling of like, you have that fight, flight, freeze feeling of like, okay, I guess I'll do, if they do come over here, I guess I'll do my best to engage 
one of them, but I, I don't know how I'm going to beat up all of these people. But anyways, my point is I, I would feel traumatized from that, but I guess you won the fight. I mean, you got a good kick in and he left um, and a sexy <laughs> scar out of it. So I guess you well, were it was, victorious. It was, the best thing, it was the best thing to happen to Mike. I mean, that's the sick thing about being a comic too, is like any, any sort of crazy shit that goes down your immediate your immediate first thought is like, is this a bit, you know? And I, right. I remember, I remember having that thought standing on the street, bleeding all over my shoes, you know, I'm like, well, I guess uh, I'm going to be talking about this for the next couple of months, you know? And then, <laughs> and here we are. It wound up, yeah. It wound up, it wound up being, uh, you know, I, I, I told, I told the story on this is not happening and it was, you know, it was, it was a huge, it was a huge boost for me. So honestly, I don't look back on it in a, in a negative light at all. You know, if anything, you know, scars starting to fade a little bit. I, I need to find the guy and have him uh, tune me up some more, re up my street cred. Uh, I think I recommended you for that show. Did by you? The way. I, I pushed it on uh, Ari. I was like, you got to get this on guy. Ari? Yeah. Oh, holy shit. I got his I big, ugly, I got you, his big, ugly, dumb ears. So <laughs> whatever that was worth. And then he said, uh, you weren't as great as I said you would be. So I don't know. Um, that part I made up. I don't want you to take that. I'm only, that part I, is a joke. Um, but did, oh, so this is last question. We got to wrap it up here. But did you ever uh, communicate with the woman at all? Did she ever find you, or vice versa? She no, she didn't. So I don't know. I don't know if she was. I don't know what to think about that. I don't know if she was a tourist. I don't know if she was foreign. I don't know. I don't know what happened to her, but she, she ran out of the station screaming. I mean, she got clobbered a couple of times, so she took off and then she never, she never, never filed a report against him or anything. But, um, there was, there was that other woman, uh, who he, who he attacked like just a few minutes before I got to the train station. Wow. So, um, but if it wasn't for me, I mean, if, if he hadn't carved me up, he'd still probably be, out you know what i mean like he 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 would have gotten a slap on the wrist at the best so um you know he's a, he's a dangerous guy i mean it, it clearly he just kind of snapped that night you know right if, his own, if, it, if he had really no criminal history at all and then suddenly out of nowhere he's just fucking going nuts and trying to rip people's clothes off and you know he's got a blade on him like he just kind of totally snapped so in a way, I think it's it's a it's a good thing that he did what he did to me, so that he would get locked up for at least for a little while. Right. Wow. Well, you good know? good for you. And 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 you should learn some fighting skills. Learn the jab. You gotta you can't just throw your haymaker. You gotta jab a few <laughs> times to to measure the distance, and then you can yeah. kind of get a get a feel for where he's at and and create some distance, and then you you reel him in with that jab, and then you you come across with the big one. Yeah, the ball, the ball kick. That's 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 what I replay the most in my head. I'm just like, oh my god, I kicked him in the balls. What fucking bitch move, you know? Um, <laughs> well, you got to do what but, you got to do know, to survive. But but it, it's amazing because I think everyone puts them in that um, scenario of what they would do. Would they take action? So you did it. So you can live your whole life knowing that you you took action in that situation. So. You... Yeah, now I never have to do it again. I see women getting attacked all the time now, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, you, you did your piece." Um, 
Well, man, it was great to uh, see you and catch up. I really enjoyed it. Maybe we'll do it again because I'm sure there's a lot more we could dive into. We didn't even get into um, your mom passing away, really, which I would have loved to have done a deep dive. We didn't get a, I mean, I feel like that's my – we didn't get into that or or uh, the Jehovah's Witness stuff either. But, um, that's yeah, I guess that's for another, for oh, another God. time. We got to do a part two. Maybe we'll do <laughs> another one. Uh, let's do another one soon, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, plug, plug some stuff. Tell everybody where they can find you and all that good stuff. Um. Well, I was laughing the other day because I was listening to your episode with Carmen Legala and you were like, plug your podcast. She was like, I don't have a podcast. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? The only comments about a podcast? And I was like, right here. Me neither. Why don't you um, and don't Matt a do a podcast? Like, I don't know. We were, we, we had something in the works like a year ago and then, and then something came out that was like the same thing that we had thought of. So we're like, all right, that's dead in the water. But we should, we, yeah, we definitely should. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess now just, you know, follow me on on uh instagram who doug smith uh check out my youtube channel doug smith comedy i got a bunch of that that web series that i was talking about is on there and a bunch of other stand-up clips and other shit is on there um and uh yeah hopefully hopefully i'll get my head out of my ass and get a pod going soon yeah it's pretty uh it's pretty easy i mean this was this was it we just did one yeah right but man i my hats are off to you man i don't want to sound like i'm slurping you off too much but you have been like a content making machine since quarantine started and it's really it's really cool to see oh thanks impressive. well yeah i mean it's it's hard because it's like there's not much stand-up i'm trying not to do much because everyone's like the best thing you can do for society is to stay home and i'm like a lazy person so i'm like great yeah um but yeah I'm, a lot of podcasts and trying to do some sketch shit now so I don't want to go back to my old life. I'm like kind of enjoying being home and, and talking to people via Zoom. It's nice. Yeah, right. I know. It's, I feel like it was a, I felt like I was starting to get a little bit burned out on stand up when it happened. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to getting back, but I feel like it was a welcome break too. But um, yeah, man, it's cool. It's cool that it has not slowed you down at all. It's, it's, it's cool to see. And I applaud oh, thanks, you for man. it. I appreciate it. Cause well, I, I, I get it. I get in my own way all the time. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll Part of part of the anxiety is I'll I'll think of something like ah oh, nobody's gonna like that that's stupid why would you do that you know and, yeah well, uh, you can't you can't do that you got to get out of your own way yeah but that's what uh, I was just listening to a podcast about like that's what procrastination is it's fear of failure um, yeah so you should check out the ten percent happier podcast there's great conversations on there they're doing a whole thing about self compassion in January I recommend it to everybody Dan Harris's podcast ten percent yeah, happier okay. and use that app go use that app fucking do some yeah, meditating Doug fucking hundred dollar thing just sitting there yeah do it <laughs> um all right man thanks so much this was this was great yeah. this is one of my favorite episodes ever so i appreciate it oh shit thanks man it was a pleasure yeah, talking good. to you yeah always a pleasure mindful metal jacket is hosted by comedian joe list produced by joe list edited by matt kleinschmidt executive producers robert kelly and matt kleinschmidt for the laugh button podcasts <laughs>